0: Peacock streaming the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock original Bel Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Damn! Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson, in theaters and streaming only on Peacock Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com.
1: Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a Sunday edition of the Arsenal Opinion podcast. I haven't done a podcast for a week, uh, Alex. I'm gonna hey I'm gonna own up to it. I didn't want to do a podcast. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to Why jump. not? I wanted to, I wanted to be um I wanted to be professional I wanted to be alone with my thoughts I wanted to digest and analyze what's been yeah. happening at Arsenal over the last few weeks. And also wanted to like take in some some voices from you know in and around the Arsenal world and um and see if I came to some different conclusions. Uh, so I think that now the dust has settled, I think we should do a bit of a, uh, a bit of a deep dive on Arsenal because mm. there's, I think there's, um I think there's feelings to discuss. I think the, I don't know about you, you're in your second lockdown, but <laughs> there's a, there's a lot more feelings around football than perhaps there was last, last season or, la- or the year before. And, um, i think there's some context that occasionally gets missing occasionally goes missing and i think that there is a little bit of a snapback to reality so on on that note like let's let's just let's just get right into it no chit chat today <laughs> um what what are your what are your top line thoughts on it's a half time it's, it's it's a half term report right okay discussed About- in two weeks so give me give me give me your thoughts let's get let's get into it
0: half-term report, but a, a quarter-term report, let's say, so about a quarter of the way in, into the season now, I think. True, um, true, true. Yeah. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I remember when we we, when we did one of these earlier, and it was quite early on in Mikel's reign, and I just thought, I remember saying, like, he's... he's so Everything he, everything he says and sort of all the signals he give, gives are so positive that it's hard to think if you're getting that much right in terms of how you communicate and the sort of ideas you bring into the table that it could like, that it, that it won't sort of work out. So I was, I was and then that was borne out by the results. So, I, you know, and obviously having a, you know, winning an FA cup in your, your first, full, like not even full season is, is no mean feat. So it was feeling very positive And I, for once probably am, am trying to hold on to that and therefore keep some perspective in terms of, uh, like how, how things are looking at the moment because we are still quite early on in the season and very early on in, in this guy's career and he, he's already done some good things to, to date. Um, so I think it's, the the Villa result was was frustrating um, as you, you know, and especially going into a, you know, having a two week break going into it. more I think more, you know, I was sent to you just before, I think for me that I was sort of expecting wasn't that surprised that we lost that game I think every team this season has had a thumping at some point and has, has given out their own thumping and I think that's perhaps the nature of Covid that some of the results are a bit topsy-turvy um, and they've got a very good sort of uh, counter-attacking style, we've had a problem against, uh, against smaller teams so far and it, it just felt like that could be on the card so when it happened um, I don't know, I wasn't that shocked, and I, I think the other thing that hallmark of that performance was it was quite languid, and, and the players looked tired. And I don't think that is something we've seen a lot with uh, under Mikel Arteta, so I'm not as worried about that. I think the thing that is concerning for from that game, and, and I think for for where we are and, and where under under Mikel Arteta is the the attacking output, which I mean it's been well documented now by everyone, but. The the underlying numbers don't lie and it feels like it's felt like for a long time and it it especially felt like during the Leicester game that we're trying to get by with like sneak one goal, one goal sort of victories, which is just not a sustainable way. And it's it's certainly never going to be a way for a team to get to top four. So I think that I'm not I'm not losing hope I'm I'm keeping perspective and you, you've got to look at the positive things Perspective FC
1: I love it I know
0: and I, I, I'm the complete hypocrite You're one of those guys now You are I know and yes. I was the one who you would talk about Wenger keep the faith but I think Wenger we had a, a big enough sample size to know that it was it was time you know for something different I think you've got to the stuff he's got in his credit you know he's t- he's improved us massively defensively he's he's made on most occasions, has made us better than some of our parts. He's made us better against the top six, although probably not quite where we want to be, but certainly better. Um, and he's all the there's so much positivity around him from players and from people in, in the game. It seems to suggest he's he's the real deal. The the stuff against him at the moment, his the results haven't been good enough, especially if we want to get top four this season. The attacking output hasn't been good enough. And the thing I was going to Sort of perhaps we can come on too late. So I, th- I think one of the issues with that is is about structure and and prioritizing a defensive solidity over attacking output. When perhaps we don't always need to do that in every game, but also sort of almost a bit of an addiction to certain players and and losing what was the what was the definitive thing about his when he came in at the start. He said. It's a, a meritocracy, right? Everyone has a clean slate, everyone everyone, you know, gets to start from zero, and that was true. And that seems to have been lost a bit because you're seeing players like Willock and uh Reese Nelson put in great performances in the European admittedly against, you know, small, not, not very great teams, but doing enough to at least sort of merit getting getting a place on the bench for like a Premier League game and maybe getting some minutes and that's not happening. And at the same time, you're seeing players like Lacazette who I haven't never really been a fan of, but who's, I mean, stinking out the joint big time at the moment, get picked game after game when it's clearly not working. So I think I, sorry, this is such a long rambling thing, but I think my hope is he uses this two weeks to first of all, assess We'll find a new structure that improves our attacking output but second of all starts to go, goes back to what he did at start which is pick players on merit not on you know age or experience or whatever he's, metric he's using at the moment <sighs> Well, I think you've covered off. Uh, I think you've
1: covered off a lot of the important things there, and I agree with a lot of those things that you've that you've gone into. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quick top line because I think that we should just deep dive on those sections that you pulled up. But I, I never wanted to be perspective FC. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the person calming the storm. But there is a storm, and I think the you know. It's it's been it's been over the top. Arsenal have had a rough period. I think you know we played eight games. We've won four. We've lost four. We've lost three games against top six teams that were fine margins. That if potentially Lacazette had been on form, or you'd had Oba in the middle, we'd mm. probably have taken more points out of those games. And we've had. A customary shocker. I think it's really important that you highlight that nearly every team has had a shocker. Liverpool's shocker was 7-2 against Aston Villa. Spurs mm-hmm. lost a three-goal lead to West Ham in 12 minutes. United got absolutely trounced. Um so lots of teams have had shockers so it you know our 3-0 our loss against Aston Villa was appalling no doubt disappointing uh, but I agree I kind of semi expected it could come from them that you know they have been good this season um, but despite us having a fairly rocky start if you if you looked at this as our rough patch mm. be six points from top in our rough patch is not bad To be top six, when you look at the fixtures that we've had, is not bad. You know, we've got a lot of difficult games out of the way. The question is, exactly like you said, can Arteta analyse his way out of this and start the next phase of games positively? Because I think after four games, we'd had our best start in many years And then after eight, we're back to having our worst start. So it's very sort of, uh, you know, one minute you're like, we've got a generational coach. The next minute you're like the Spanish Tony Pulis. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: You know, so it, it, like, and I think it's going to be up and down for all teams this season. You know, everybody was talking about, Uh, Everton winning the league after the first few games then that went to shit people were talking about Spurs winning the league and that goes up and down so uh, it's very difficult for anybody to grapple like Arsenal were 12th or whatever we are 11th or 12th in the league which looks terrible but then when you contextualise it we're not 24 points off top of the league you know we're 6 so we're still in the mixer (sighs) So I want to um, I, I want to deep dive um, some of the some of the stuff that's definitely gone wrong, and I think um, I think the question of the system and the strategy of Arteta has been put under the microscope. I think Arteta said, you know, nobody complained about Obama Yang on the left when he was scoring lots of goals on the yeah. left. Now he's not scoring goals. And the person in the middle isn't scoring goals. And I think, but if you, if we, before we get into the minutia of who's not playing well, let's talk about his, his approach this season, from where I'm looking at the way that he signed the players, he got a lot of success last season with a fine margins game because he addressed the defense and he made us difficult to penetrate as a side. And he had elite strikers, or forward players or one forward player and we could get one goal uh you know from four attempts on target yeah. what has, what has changed this season for me is the fine margins approach of having a solid base hasn't really shifted like it the anomaly is villa right before yeah. that we had the best defense in the league for me what's changed is it, 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 like he tried to build out his fine margins engine by signing william who was mm. this super efficient player who could, you know, put a lot of balls into the box for in the final third and play well in tight spaces? Willian yeah. has been shit. Lacazette through the middle has been an unmitigated disaster. And Abaying, yeah. he's he's got his contract and he's he's been shit, right? And I don't think it like yeah. people are saying it's the system that it, it, it has had him playing shit. I don't completely agree. Mm. I think he has just been out of sorts out of form and he hasn't looked the same player that he was last season so the the, the question you know the question is does he double down on fine margins and th- yeah. and assume that he can play his way out of it um, or does he have to change things like what do what do you, what do you think of my assessment there I thought that was pretty technical.
0: I, I think that's pretty good. The only thing I'd challenge, I think um, I think it's too early in the season to talk about how many points we are off six or where. I mean, you know, it's still, there's this sort of spread of where teams are in terms of points. is probably isn't great enough for that to mean that much. If you see, like when we get to like halfway and then there's more, everyone's got more points, then I think being six points off first would be more of a metric. I don't know. So, But basically my point is, it's thing thing more to say. It's more team. to
1: say we're not out of the loop. When Emery oh, yeah. was in this position last over. season, I think we were twenty points, or, or we were like twelve or thirteen points off top. Yeah. So I'm just saying that, yeah, it's like, it's not good. It just means that we're in the mix
0: and everyone's yeah. having a time with it. It's certainly not over, but I think that's why you have to look at underlying performances more, right? Um, and that's where, like, the. So I was just looking back at who you know the, the teams we played, and I think. Yeah, we've won four, and we've lost four. But the reality is, I think the good performances we've had a are, are Fulham, are like in the Premier League, of Fulham and the United game, which is a sort of very well executed game. But again, that you talk about fine margins football, like we can't win every game, sort of like that, like one 0 But even like the West Ham game, Sheffield United, which we won, we would run. It wasn't. It was far less comfortable than I would perhaps. Expect it to be for, or you'd want a team of Arsenal stature to be against. We haven't controlled. We haven't controlled games, right? Even if you like, I
1: felt like we controlled games more last season.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we, we, those were uncomfortable. And then Villa, you know, was 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 dreadful. But I sent you the one that really frustrated me was Leicester because they came, they didn't come to, they put us under no pressure, and we couldn't create anything and. Uh, I, the the thing that's worried me the most going through, as I said, is just we're we're not this. It's like when everyone talks about Emery's sort of twenty two game and unbeaten run. It's like yeah, but we were there were like some really jammy draws and that, and like really fluky wins and penalties missed and all this stuff. The, the actual performances were not good, and it's not quite as bad as that because the, as you said, the defensive performances Bar Villa have been a lot better. But going forward, it's just not happening. And I think on your so on your point around st- structure versus personnel, I don't know. Like you, he's right, and I was I was you know agreed. Like a ban on on, a ban on the left worked so well for us in the run in last season. Arguably, it's what won us the FA Cup because he just destroyed in you know in the final semi final, he just destroyed teams from the left. But people have worked it out. Um, you know, against City, like. Carl Walker just marks Bamian out of the game in that and I, I think it's it you know thinking about people, players in sort of positions like a stat you know left wing or centre forward it's always it's not really the point it's almost what are they doing when they're there and like what spaces are they finding themselves in and the the Villa game, especially, I think it really highlighted. Like he was not in with the ball in a dangerous area at any point in that game. And then probably the saddest thing to see was Abamian crossing in balls to Lacazette. So like our best finisher, crossing them into five foot two. Um, oh, no, you know. but he's well, Lacazette is five foot nine. And, he's not tall
1: enough. But, but but also you know like Aguero scores with his head, and, yeah. he, and he's short and um, you, know, say, you know yeah, Ian Wright could back in the day because they could make space for themselves Lacazette has consistently been eaten alive by big
0: defenders yeah. he, well this is the thing he's not big he's not powerful and and again you might caveat it all he's still a, a great player but I think he's, he's a Europa League level player and he always has been because he's technically a very very good footballer but he's not Big enough. He's not quick enough, and he's not powerful enough. And now he just looks like he's got no confidence, and he's knackered. So I kind of agree with like you know, Aubameyang not being the centre because he can't hold at the ball that well. But something's got to change because the current setup isn't working. Like it's too predictable and it's too slow, especially those front three. So you know
1: the, the 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 difficult thing that nobody ever talks about in a in a during an international break is bloggers write really great pieces and no one reads them because no one can you know every, everyone's so bored. So I just wanted to use this as a chance to highlight some statistics that I pulled, oh, um, right. which I think you might like, you because I don't think you've been reading my blog either, which is disappointing. And <laughs> um, so I did, um, you know, like I I, I, I was kind of. With the Arteta, you know, he's scoring goals from the left, so shut up. And I think that there was some wide scout data that said that Aubameyang was actually more prolific from the left last season. Mm. But I did, um, I I think that when everything's working and everybody's on form, Ober on the left works. But Mm. when Lacazette isn't scoring through the middle, and let's be honest, if Lacazette had scored... Um, the first goal against Villa, we've got a completely different game on our hands. Yeah. Like that, that ball into the box was not a difficult um, no. chance. He missed. Um, he missed sitters against other teams as well. And if we score first, we tend to hold on to that lead. Yeah. But I, I did. Um, I was like. W- when when did Obama Yang become a player that we were all interested in? And I think it was the 20 uh 2016 season when he played under tokel yeah. and he played next to Dembele. Um in that Dortmund side that was you know quite exciting to to watch at times. Yeah. And I, I did an analysis. He scored 31 goals in that season, and he obviously played through the middle. And yeah out of those uh, 31 goals, two of them were penalties. So we have to discount six and a half percent. My my rough analysis, 45% of his goals came inside the six yard box. <laughs> and the other 15 goals came inside the penalty area. And I, I didn't like get out of tape measure and work out how far, but I would generally say the majority of the goals outside the six yard box were about eight yards out. Yeah. So he he made his name as a fox in the box that was absolutely clinical. And when you watch that, when you watch those videos, you're like, what if we're struggling with a Lacazette, why wouldn't you just get the out of form clinical monster in the middle in Yang and then work out a a structure around him? It seems, it seems crazy, but I think that the Aston Villa game hurt Arteta badly. Mm. I think he was visibly shaken up by that because that really was a terrible, terrible performance. Yeah. And I think that he will be furious about that. And I think that you will see a reaction and I think that we're going to see a head roll. And I think that head is probably going to be Lacazette, and yeah. which kind of, you know, I was going to do like solutions after, but I think the solutions thing is interesting as well, because mm. every Arsenal fan thinks that they know this, super simple way to get an uncreative team scoring goals and uh, you know in our little group chat I think the, yeah. we we said it, the second half against Aston Villa really showed what happens when um, this Arsenal side go all out like we got absolutely ripped apart through the back yeah. so um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on okay Let's all agree. Every Arsenal fan agrees it's got to be Aubameyang through the middle because we like Lacazette is not doing it, and you know, it looks like it doesn't even look like he's enjoying being on the pitch at the moment. Nice. So then, you've, if we're assuming that we move to four at the back because we mm-hmm. cannot be playing three at the back against teams like Villa, that's embarrassing. Yeah. What? How do you? How do you load up your front three? Like, what? What combination would you use to ignite a more direct? Arsenal front three or what would you do what would your instructions be
0: well I I mean I think
1: (laughs) tell me how you'd manage Arsenal
0: yeah well there's a point I don't think we should throw the the baby out of the bath I'll just say one sorry one thing on the Arteta point that that this is the thing that worries me the most is I you said like yeah he was shaken up by the Villa thing and he wants but everyone could see going into it that starting Lacazette and William was not gonna was was a hiding to nothing like everyone when they saw the lineup, was like come on these guys have been like it's 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 not working it's not happening so the the more worrying thing for me was was not that defeat it's the fact he kept putting trust in these players when they when they weren't sort of then they're not performing and maybe maybe it's not but I think there's a counterpoint to that though isn't it it's like
1: if you have Lacazette on 180 grand a week and yeah. you have Willian on 250 grand a week and Aubameyang on 250 grand a week. The assumption is play them into form. Like form is temporary. Your wages are permanent. Like, let's see if we can max out the value here. So I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, like, it's let's not put Joe Willikin who's never shown any aptitude to play at the highest level. But, you know, like, I feel like that's a bit of a fan yeah. thing. Just stick Willekin, you know, 41 no, appearances of nothing this last season.
0: I, t- I totally agree. And it, it, you can't get overact about, well, you know, the lad did it against Dundalk. Dundalk so, <laughs> well, he really did. Yeah, it's, no, not yeah. it's not like start, yeah. you know, drop all and put all the kids in because that won't work. But at halftime, it clearly, what well, Lacazette has not been playing well for a long time now. And yeah. if it's in Ketir, if it's a Bamiang through the middle, like he shouldn't be starting. I, I don't get why he's still a nail, nailed on starter. I mean, I'd actually, I'm all over the place now, To be fair, the, the game where I thought he was really good was against United, and that is the role that Arteta wants him to do, is that, right. you know, pressing from the front, covering the passing lanes, all that stuff. Yeah. He do not be doing that against Villa at home. That's that's for the big teams away. Right? But, the, but the point about Willock and those guys is like, he will... He's, he's not great on the pool but he his positioning is really good and he he he's unpredictable and he finds yeah. spaces in the lines and stuff like that so when you're down one or two nil at half time against Villa at home fucking roll the dice and do you know what I mean try it because what you're doing now isn't working and the same has to be said I know it's like a you know he's the new sort of Ozil but with Pepe who stumped the joint out in, in a lot of games and you know I, I kind of agree he doesn't really deserve to be starting but the guy will give you unpredictability, and he will create moments, which is exactly what we need. So the, the thing that made me sort of most concerned was that we, despite the fact we were creating so few chances, Arteta was persisting with the, with Willian and Lacazette, which just for whatever reason isn't really gelling. But onto your so onto your point about what I'd start, I don't like I don't necessarily think it's. Abraham has to play in the middle, but I just think at the moment he's clearly not getting the ball in the right areas or not. He's not his form's not the same as it was. So let's play him into form by putting him in an area where he can get some good, you know, chances and tap it like sort of poacher type goals. Yeah, and get him sort- doing what he does best, right? Exactly, exactly. Let's let's mix it up. Let's try something else. And then William, I think is an interesting one because people were just going off at him, and like at the end of the day, like the contract was bad, but. He's still a very good player and I was still happy we got him. And I think that's because we all imagined when he joined that he was going to be like a really experienced, really useful squad player who can like come in for like some games and and you know provides technical security, but he's very good on the ball, very quick, and great chances, all that stuff. He played three games in a week and he's 32. So he, he played uh United, he played Rapid Vienna, and then he started against Villa. Like the guy was is absolutely probably busted like it's no wonder he's complete shit so like I don't think just getting rid of him is is necessarily the answer but I, so I think you could have if you had like a Bamain in the middle Pepe on the right for some unpredictability for some directness and whether it's within or Saka on the left for a bit of technical security like so you have a bit of balance I think I don't know if it's going to solve everything but to stick with what's clearly not working would be like a folly and like at the end of the day we, we won't get top four with with that front three playing how they are at the moment so you, you've got to roll the dice at some point even if it's you know Rhys Nelson for a bit like I mean Arteta you know Arteta played started Rhys Nelson in game Premier League games last season this is sorry this is, I'm this is the other thing that's interesting, right? He's really, like, he was bringing through all these young players and had loads of faith in them. And it seems to have just, other than Saka, you know, Maitland-Niles, is not starting games anymore. Willock's not starting games. Reese Nelson's not starting games. And it's like, I don't understand. It's, it's almost like he's become ultra-conservative and ultra-cautious and doesn't want to take any gambles. And so we're seeing all these players sort of sidelined.
1: I don't know. That. Uh, yeah I, I and I think the I, th- I think the everybody's got to remember as well he is a young manager and we took a you know there's a you take on a young manager because you see that there is a big upside and all mm. of these you know fans that are, are like you know a team like Arsenal doesn't take chances look Arsenal are in bad shape financially really? um, Pochettino is a 15 million pound a year manager who is at the stage of his career where he's going to want 150 million to spend Allegri is a defense merchant, the number one defense merchant in Europe. He's not coming in and unlocking our attack. He can't speak English. And again, 15 million a year, he's going to want 150 million. Nagelsmann could have the pick of any club in the world. He's not coming to Arsenal. I'm really sorry. So I think that we've taken, you know, we've got to accept that you bring in a 38 year old manager, there's going to be uh, the rough with the smooth and there's going to be ups and downs. He's going to make mistakes um, but, but with a good young manager that is um, that you hope is an innovator that you hope leans on the experience around him is like when things go to shit, does it go the way of Emory mm. or does it go the way of great managers where you find a way, where you move forward, where you move beyond. Yeah, And he's, at, uh, he's at a bit of a crossroads at the moment. And i feel can see the logic in the decisions that he's making in the sense that he thinks that, you know, he he's he thought that signing Willian was perhaps like Arsene Wenger signing him late in his career because Arteta yeah. gave his yeah. all, didn't he? He took a lower salary, a longer contract because he just wanted to play football. But not yeah. everybody is like him. And I think that he's probably learning that this season. He's got to make yeah. a decision on Lacazette. He's not informed. Get him out the side. I think, um, I also think that you have to remember the environment that he's been in for three, four years at Manchester city, his project at Manchester city was how do you make a 48 million pound superstar in Raheem Sterling into mm. a world beater right? yeah. now is how do you make Joe Willock and Reece Nelson even capable of playing in the premier league? Yeah. And I think that he's shied away from it a little bit. And I know the, yeah, we don't. I don't want to keep on talking about Arsene Wenger's never-ending book tour. But Arsene Wenger said, "Look, when you put young players in the team, you have to accept that they will cost you points. But the upside is phenomenal if you get it right." Um, you know, I, I do think to back to. I don't know whether you were at the ground when uh, Serge Gnabry came on against Schalke. I think, and he gave the ball yeah. away, and we conceded almost immediately. Um, yeah. And you know, it. The, the rest is history. did go well for yeah, me. But I, I do think that Arteta has to say, look, there are lots of imperfect solutions yeah. in the squad. And Willock is an imperfect solution. But yeah. the upside is he is unpredictable. He can run with the ball. And he's he loves to shoot. He loves to, to, yeah. to cross. He loves to create. So maybe you might lose something in the structure of the side. He might make a few bad passes. But yeah. it, does he give your midfield something more potentially? Yeah. And it's like Reese Nelson, um, I think, is probably more comfortable playing uh, a touchline-hugging role for width and just running, yeah. you know, running the channels in a direct way. But if he doesn't want to play him in that role. Like, Nicolas Pepe is not a hug-the-touchline kind of player. He's not a pick-the-ball-up from deep. You've got to get him further up the pitch. And, like, there's a great YouTube guy. I've got into YouTube now. And mm. he's named Statman Dave. And he, he's... In, when you when you watch people that aren't, aren't Arsenal supporters talk about Arsenal, they mm. speak in... With much higher regard about what's going on at Arsenal, and he's like, Arsenal are nearly a really great team, but he's got to solve for some things. And one yeah. of his things is like, Nicolas Pepe plays inside, like he's a, he's an he's an inside wide player like you need yeah. to get him don't have him hugging the touchline getting closer in to play, goal yeah. yeah so we need to work out a way of getting higher up the pitch and closer into goal and that requires some sort of structural change yeah. but at a bare minimum I agree with you on William this William is shit it, you know he's a waste he's a waste of 250 grand a week and we shouldn't have done that yeah. but I do think that he is a quality player, and he's yeah. worth playing into form. But you need to get him into better positions, and I, I think that we should move Abaying into the middle. I think Saka mm-hmm. should be playing in the left, um, William on the right, and we need to get the ball. Work out how do you get the ball to them quicker, so that they, you know, they're they're chance creators. You know, they're risk takers. So, or, or alternatively have have a go, you know, like I, 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 we, we can talk about this later, but I still think the strategy, we'll talk about the strategy stuff about where Arsenal are going in general, but mm. I, I, I think that um, I, I'm not sure that we're going to solve it in the next three games, but I think a good first step is Aubameyang in the middle, and to, to your point, like Arteta talks about the non-negotiables one of the non-negotiables should be you have to contribute. <laughs> like, yeah. If you're if you're Lacazette and you're not contributing, how
0: how does that look? How does I that would, add to the culture? Well, I would challenge that because I would say like, Arteta would say Lacazette is contributing. And look at Man United, like he's his performance is so selfless. He is like because he's basically just a press merchant. He's there to Harry defenders chasing down And against Man United, it was it was brilliant. The other thing you could say, being devil's advocate, is he missed an absolute sitter that header against Villa. But strikers miss chances. And the main thing is, you want them getting chances right. And he had about two chances in the whole game. So I think my, my criticism with him is not like, oh, he's not trying. It's just, I just think his physical limitations mean he is not able to hold up the ball in a way that, or, or to bring a Bamiang or Willian or Pepe into the game enough. And also, when he's the only one in the box against Tyrone Mink, like he's not winning those headers, or they, he's just physically not capable of it. So it's that's why I do think he needs he needs to he basically needs some time out, to either you know rest. But I, I just don't think he's ever really going to be the answer. But I, I basically agree with everything else you said. The one thing I was going to say, I shared him. Um, I've got to give a, get his uh, twist handle right. But I shared an article with you by a guy called Solis. Chukwu and I think his Twitter handle's at the Odd Solace and he wrote a, a really good blog about um, how the Brighton game last season you know when Leno got injured was a real sort of inflection point for the team because up until then he'd been playing a sort of 4 3 one or with, with Ozil as the number 10 and then a, a 4-3-3 so quite an attacking formation but then because of sort of how we got rolled over in that game, he switched to 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, so basically like a back five or a back three or whatever. And 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 it was sort of from that and that point on that he started to prioritise sort of defensive solidity because we completely crumbled in the last sort of 20 minutes of that game. Um, and that formation has was good and it's taken us so far. It, it got us an FA Cup and it, it helped us in some big games last season. But it just feels like we're at the end of the road with it. And... And 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 that's what I really hope for this break is he comes back with with something different and something new that's more attacking and more more risk taking. My my concern again is that it he's he's no I don't think he's comparable to Emery in any way. I, I much prefer him to Emery and I think he's a much better coach. But it's a similar that it's at risk of being a similar trajectory. So Emery came in quite we're going to be protagonists, we're going to attack and all that stuff, and then he had a couple of bad defeats. And he he shit the bed, and then he played back five, you know, at home to fucking Coventry in the Carabao Cup. It would be back five with two defensive midfielders. It would be defensive security over everything, and he 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 his whole thing became about eliminating risk and not about us creating risk, but just overly, you know, making sure we we yeah making minimizing risk as much as possible. And I worry that that's where Arteta is currently at and I think he needs to turn it around because it's just not a winning strategy you know, it relies on your strikers being so clinical that it's just it's not that's not within Lacazette's gift like Lacazette probably needs 10 chances or, or like 5 chances to score one maybe a Bamiang's like 3 but they're not going to we're not gonna, they're not going to be scoring 1 and 2 every game and I, so I just hope he doesn't keep on this trajectory and I hope he, he does sort of start to take more risks with
1: this yeah, I, I, I feel like the comparisons, are, Emery looks good on paper, but I think the reality is very different. You know, nobody liked Emery. Emery couldn't speak English. She's a poor communicator. He was a bit of a joke behind the scenes. And Emery was, Emery tried to mitigate risk. But he couldn't. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he ne- yeah. he, like you yeah. know, we, we, thirty-two shots against us um, huh. at Watford was you know the the peak of that. So, but I I think the I think you're right in the sense that um, his strategy of fire margins that worked really well no longer. Uh, well, I can't. It's very difficult to say it no longer works because if you get the front three playing better, yeah. you know, if you get your most senior players who should be playing well playing better, then. All of a sudden, things can start looking like they're working together. But I think the the problem is that we're we're working in a hyper stressed moment mm-hmm. and fans are fucking ridiculous. Like I think that across the board, across all clubs, you know, Frank Lampard is a fucking fraud. He's a joke. Uh, he can't build a defense. We should fire him. He's the biggest joke that ever existed in football. Then last six games, he's conceded what one goal uh, He's won all yeah. of his games and he's further up the table, two points ahead of Arsenal, just two points ahead of Arsenal. And now yeah. no one's calling him a fraud and it would be the same with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know? Um, wow. I did a podcast with some Man United fans and they're like, when they were talking about it, they were like, there's quite a lot of similarities with Arsenal and United in the sense that we, we weren't, we didn't have much going on until Bruno Fernandes came into the side. And then all of a sudden things started to look a little little bit better. Mm. I fully agree with that. But Mm. I do, I do think that um, I do think that he's going to, he's going to change something because he has to, but you know, do you change to a uh, a full fl- a fully fledged attacking team against uh, Leeds United? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> right? You what? you let them you let them like wear themselves out attacking you, and you expose them on the counter attack. Do you um, think we sit back and counter against Leeds? Is that at home as well? Um, no, a, no, no the Leeds United right? game is away. But look, what, uh, this, but that's that's exactly what um, that's exactly what Leicester did. Lester, yeah. uh, Lester Le- just let Leeds wear themselves out, and then they pick them off um, mm. with clinical ease. The problem is that you know we don't have a Jamie Vardy um, like player oh, on our side. But we do, we have I, a I, I, yeah, we Yeah, co- <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he's not quite. Um, yeah, I don't think he's as good on the counter attack. But yeah. we, we, you know, we have players that can spring traps against Leeds United. Um, I think we did a good job against Wolves. Last season, away yeah. from home, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. the big game is Spurs. But if you come out of those, if you come out with you know seven points out of those games, and everything's looking up again, and you are within spitting distance of top four, so I don't like, I don't think we're in danger of going the in the direction of Emery. You know, players are like are fully bought in, but I think mm. I don't. What I don't want is, I, I like I, I hope Arteta isn't a person that just has one system and that's it. This is the way that we're going right. to be.
0: You know, I hope he's not Ooh, stubborn. Too yeah. stubborn. We definitely know he's definitely not a, play, a guy with one system. We've already seen sort of almost three. you remember when we played United at home last season, we won 2-0. That was a 4 yeah, four two three one, 3 one and it was so exciting and attacking it everything went through sort of Ozil yeah. and he's reinvented that again to a you know this 3-4-3 three, three, which has worked so I, I do think he's got it and he's like and I do he, yeah he's obviously a much much better coach than Emery I, I think I mean he's not not obviously Emery's got the pedigree but I personally think he's a better coach and will be I think he's better than Lampard by a mile and I think he's better than Solskjaer but I just I mean I just mean the trajectory of like okay you had a bad last so you wanted to shore things up defensively and it's, the obsession seems to be about control which is like why he constantly picks Lacazette and what players he knows will do exactly what he wants um, and the risk then is we become you know far too predictable and, and you see what happens so it is mildly amusing this- that he
1: that he's, he acknowledges he's like when I see myself back on the touchline he goes I, I don't like to see it
0: he's <laughs> just like yeah hey. yeah yeah um, I mean, it, it's good. So I do, I do have faith that you can do it, but it's just that's probably the concern. Um, and I, I think you raised an interesting point about Lee, like, because that's actually—I mean, there's a more general point around the toxic atmosphere. And I, I don't necessarily think it's for COVID. It's, it's social media it has been it for years, right? And do you think it's, to, I don't like, think
1: it's comment. ever been this bad, though. I feel like it's—I think it's particularly vile and reactionary at the moment, and I, try, I can't work out whether it's because. People were just uh, sat at home bored. Like the the, the stuff that goes on on my blog. Sometimes it's like, yeah. uh, you know, just see it in the comment section. It's like, why, why, why are you here enjoying that we're not doing well at the moment? It's just fucking yeah. odd.
0: Well, the, the thing that made me, um, because I, I was really angry after I think after Villa, or maybe I was really angry as I was messaging you. I think you were ignoring me during the Leicester game. Like in the first half, I was, it's not good enough. But then I watched um, like a clip or a video of AFTV and like two of the guys, I mean, most of them seem nice, normal guys, but two of the guys on that just swearing, like, I was like, Jesus, I don't want to be like that. Like it's only, it's only football at the end of the day. I, I, I care and it's, it's good, but it's you can't let it ruin your life like that. But I don't I do I don't know if it's okay, but I think it's, you made a point on your blog the other day about, you know, back in the day, like 97, 98 season, everyone be fucking yeah, when we shit. Well, no, sorry. No, it's cook- like a Nelker,
1: and yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, no, I can use this. Blah, blah, blah. So, I, I, it, it's certainly like a, a pressure cooker of opinions, and it, it it means that actually, and we're both certainly both guilty of that as well. But I think it means, we, yeah, I, I I don't know what it means. But the thing I was going to say is like, do you, the, the interesting point now, I guess, is like like you mentioned that leads away. We're we we reflect this sort of the uh, the contradiction if you like of like supporting Arsenal because we're like yeah you know we're bloody Arsenal we should be going to Leeds and we should be rolling them over and swashbuckling and all that stuff it's like yeah but we need to have defensive solidity as well so we'll hit them on the count and it's like either one is going to you know if we go and attack and we get beaten 2-0 on the counter attack we're going to call Arteta an idiot but if we go and sit back and try and hit them on counter attack we'll call Arteta bummery
1: Look, you I, I, I will fully admit I didn't like Emery, and no. I, you know, I will also admit that like when we were shit under Emery, I was like, "You should bring back Aaron Ramsey and Mesut Özil," yeah, and then he, then he caved and he did yeah. exactly what the fans wanted. And it continued to go to shit, and then he lost all credibility in the dressing room. And it was like almost like Mory was like, "Here is what happens when I do what the fans say." And then Lumber gets in, doesn't falls out with Meza Özil. Arteta gets in and falls out with Meza Özil. So sometimes listening to fans that don't see everything that goes on in the training ground is yeah. not smart. But I do, I do think that um, I, I, you, you can't deny that it is correct to say we should be improving our attacking output you cannot yeah. have average 8.6 shots a go a game yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's not it's not the Arsenal way
0: and it's not sustainable um, yeah. moving forward but do you, but, think, do you but. think that is I know we we focus on Lacazette but that's just he's just a perennial a guy I don't really a player I don't really rate but like it's not all on him. Like the reality is that like the reason we're not creating chances is because of you know the what the midfield and the, the, the guys on the wing are doing and the fullbacks are doing. Like we seem to be very good at creating chances that in, in a way it's sort of you know, we, we score great team goals where you know it's forty six passes and then someone's there to tap it in the back post. But that other than that and like chasing the ball, you know, put it you know, pressing well, we don't really seem to have any other Ways of creating chances. We create. We don't. We create through through the middle. Like we don't. I don't know. We, it just seems to be a bit. But I do. You I do, I do think
1: that sometimes you have to just uh, have to be honest about the the squad. We spend three hundred and fifty grand a week on a, a chance creating machine, and he doesn't want to play. Um, mm. So now he's out of the squad, and Arteta has done that for the good of the culture. Um But I think he would want. Uh, you know, Arteta would want uh, a Mesa Ozil firing on all cylinders in that squad. And I think that our chance creation is probably not going to pick up until we directly address it. I think that, um, and uh, like, let's, let's talk about that and move on to it because it seems that there are a few players that we're being linked to. David Ornstein wouldn't say his name the other day. Soblaze, Well, he wouldn't or he couldn't. I suspect we, I suspect he definitely okay. couldn't and I suspect I okay. just butchered it there but we've been yeah. linked to um let's just call him Dominique Dominique, Dominique. Soblaze. Yeah. um yeah. he's uh 19 years old he's got like something like 17 goals 71 goal and assist contributions uh, uh over the past couple of seasons uh yeah. he's uh, got incredible technique. He plays in the in the RB franchise. He scored a, a superb goal the other day for Hungary, uh, late on yeah. in the game, where he scored for like you know ran ran the ball forty yards and then slotted it in the bottom corner. He's got a nineteen million pound re, re, release fee. Um, yeah, I think that we need to get a, a number eight that's all action, that loves scoring goals, that loves shooting, uh, that can directly assist. So yeah. he's on the radar, and I think that Hosim Owah is having a pretty janky season. Uh, Leon, so he yeah. could be back in the consideration set. What? What do you? It, it's, I, I, you know, you don't want to say the transfers are to blame, but if you don't have the players to create chances, it's very difficult to um, force professionals at the highest level to become chance creators. What is? Is, is that fair? Uh, or is that, yeah. or is that dirty excuse making?
0: I just well because I, I knew this would come up, and I sort of thought like, is is it really going to be one creative player will unlock suddenly unlock the whole team? And I just I just think it's a bit of a. I mean, maybe I guess it ha- kind of happened with Bruno Fernandez at United, but I just think it that shouldn't be a nineteen-year-old who's playing in the Austrian league. However, like, much potentially is like, look at Saliba. Like, I don't think he's going to come in and transform our prospects, like, sort of single handedly. I think you've got enough. You have to sign two, right?
1: There has to be two players. It's, well, we're not one creative player away from cracking um, if,
0: this. If I was going to have to pick one, I mean, obviously, we've all talked about it. If we could pick anyone, we'd pick someone like Grealish, would just be unreal, but obviously, we're not getting him. Awa would be next, next on my list, just because he's done it in a, a higher level in a Champions lobby.
1: League semi-final. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So, but I, I still think you. Could, what, what's to stop you playing four-two-three-one? And like, you, if you had Saka, Willian, and Pepe playing behind the Bamiang, they're all they could all play a sort of eight or ten role between them. Like, potentially, Willow could as well. Like, we've got players here already who can, who can do that. Like, it's just I just think we need to change the system first and then you can bring in guys like that I mean obviously I wouldn't turn either of them down like, it'd be great to have both but um, I think Emmy e- 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 Buendia from yeah, I mean, uh, Norwich as well it's, it's yeah. 20 million I mean he's my sort of aversion as an Arsenal fan to be like oh he plays with Norwich you know like can't we go and get someone exotic but I mean look at Ollie Watkins and Bu- Buendia well, is Buendia is Argentinian uh, so yeah I know but I know a it's nice country it is a sexy country. It is a very nice country. But I think it's more just like, oh, but you know, it's Norwich, isn't it? But I d- that's, that's my own personal... That's what they said
1: about Oli Watkins and then he put in the best centre-forward performance I've seen exactly, from, exactly. from, you know, holding the ball up perspective. He's an Arsenal fan as well. So, but yeah, I, I think you're right. And also um, Arteta knew about the tools he had Right. Yeah, we can't keep on bemoaning tools. Uh, he has to work out a structure that can uh, unlock a bit more creativity. And like Saka got a bunch of assists last season, I know that it was more from a sort of left wing back yeah. position, but he's got a great delivery. He's
0: but he's really good in those, you see him so much more now on the inside, like in the half spaces where you want a sort of eight running with the ball. Like William can play at ten. Like Pepe could probably play a bit, as you said, play a bit more inside. Like we've got the players. Like we should definitely add some more. But the point around Gabriel and Partey is that they should mean we don't need to play five at the back anymore. Like and maybe in big games, yeah, fight, fair enough. Maybe Liverpool away, but at home, like we should be confident enough with those guys. I mean, look at if you had having Partey at the, at the base of your midfield. Like he's that good that he can almost covered like like Kante or, or Vieri you can always play two players' roles at once so that gives you an extra player to put you know a bit further forward up the pitch but I, and I think Gabriel is quick enough to, that we can push defenders forward a bit and play a bit of a higher line fair enough Holding and Luison, on but like okay we can't we've got we would have three out, four, three players in the back four would be really good and quick and one who wouldn't like we, we can make it work it will be more risky we might concede more but I think it's not just about, oh, it's because it's awesome, we want to score goals. It's like, no, we need to score, but like, we absolutely have to score goals because otherwise we're not getting Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah and um, yeah, eight chances a game. Like You cannot tell me that our our squad is so bad that we can be outshot by all of those teams that are above us. And yeah. like, it was some appalling record that we've got the worst shot, the worst amount of shots in the second half out of 92 football league clubs. Like that's really? a really bad statistic. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um it's a little bit unforgivable. So I just, I also wanted to touch on, um you know, the, just the club's leadership uh, mm. overall, because the dust has settled on the summer and uh, I, Tony Adams mm. leaked some confidential information into the press. He went off on one yeah. this week. Poor Tony. Um, And some of the stuff that he said was interesting, but I generally think that he's always extremely wide of the mark. But he did say that Arsenal were interested in Jude Bellingham uh, when Edu came in last season. And the deal was basically done, but he said no. I'm not sure how much I believe that. I don't think Arsenal were heavily linked to Jude Bellingham um, Mm. at any point. I'm sure that we were interested in him. And I also imagine that Edu probably looked at Arsenal's transfer record over the last five years and said, I don't... Give a fuck who you've got coming in. I'm gonna do whatever I'm gonna do. Um, but my um, my point about the the Tony Adams leak is that Tony Adams came out and said that Arteta's the governor. And he came out and basically said, you know, Edu is not good. And that's a bit of a a sort of running theme that I think might crop up a little bit more over the next few months. And now now we look back on Arsenal's strategy, it seems clear. Um, We are doing the let's buy expensive players and try and get into the top four again, like we've been doing since 2017. Buy good players and hope and I just wondered whether like reflecting on what's happened so far this season whether we just need to like be honest with ourselves and maybe bin this approach because uh, William looks like an incredible waste of money for a team that's got a wage bill that's at least 50 million too high um, and he hasn't clicked Lacazette has been awful we've given a contract to a 31 year old a 31 year old Aubameyang and I can understand why we did it but like he's not looking value for money at the moment and he's going to decline as he gets older Um, do, do you think that we're on the right path oh and we've also given made arteta a manager to really deal with whatever Edu is not giving to the party right you don't you don't demote a technical director that you think is a good leader do you do you think we're on the right path is it too early to say or does it look like you know there needs to be more action moving forward
0: I'd, I think it's too early to say, and like, I don't think it's we can relitigate some of those decisions. I don't think there's anyone on the planet who thought we shouldn't give a Bamiang a new contract and a bump one because he carried the team. I don't think he's been he's he's not doing an OZ. I've not seen him give up or not try. He's not being subbed off for subpar form. He's just not getting the ball. Or when he's getting it, he's, it's not quite clicking for him. So I'm not worried. At least for this season, I'm not worried about that. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, William was a stupid contract, but I think. As a player, it can make sense.
1: You see was- the logic behind the signing, right? Yeah. Ignoring then, the contract,
0: and then you look at what Eddie has done, sort of since he's had control, and it is Gabriel and Partey who are, you can't argue that they haven't been good signings. Um, I think Emi Martinez set the sale. You know, to be honest, I probably would have preferred we kept him and sold Leno, but it's not. It again, that's like a margin call. So. I don't think the sample size is big enough to know. I, I mean, I think the sample size so far isn't awful. I think it's pretty good to be honest. We've got we've signed two players who vastly improved the team, um, and the proof of the pudding will be next summer when we have all these, you know, dreadful, dreadful signings. I and mean, it's, it's almost like a. Greatest hits from like the last five or six years—it's sort of like all coming to fruition at once. You what you've got Ozel, Socrates, Kalasina, Mustafi, Jacker, uh, Louise, Lacazette. <laughs> no, Lacazette's
1: the year after.
0: Yeah, but I mean, bloody hell! Like, imagine getting rid of all the—I don't even know where chain what, how long Chambers has got left, or, but that's going to be a real sort of bonfire of the, um, of the dross or whatever you want to call it. So, maybe I think it's probably too soon. I don't—I don't know any of the the hype around. Um, I do, but like he, I thought, you know, if you think about how we played the party transfer, that was pretty, it's pretty funny. It's pretty, pretty good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just get a lot, you
1: know, I know Arsenal fans, like was when Raul was here, they're like, oh, I love that we did this, you know, yeah. we're, we're yeah. dirty boys now. And um, <laughs> then it's like, yeah, okay. Like you, you like the fact that it looks like we've got a mafia boss running Arsenal, but like yeah. what's it done for the on-pitch realities? I mean, it also, the the Willie, you know, we thought the William Saliba thing was going to be, you know, Raúl's saving grace, but literally a hundred million pounds worth of talent that's still not ready for top level Premier League football is that, quite yeah. an appalling waste, right?
0: I would just say actually the one you, you always bring up Raúl because you know I was his fan from it, so he's just trying to embarrass just me. Trying to like, jab you, yeah, yeah. He, you um, cha- you cha- is you, have you changed your Twitter
1: profile? You I've don't have changed- Dom. You've changed it. <laughs> right the internet remembers, my um,
0: friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess that's Eddie's sort of where he's most culpable. Is is he sang? He was well. He didn't speak out I mean, at least publicly. We don't know what he did privately about a lot of those signings, like Pablo, Marie, and Suarez, and yeah, the, the sort of crazy contracts. The Saleeba one. I mean, it's our new sort of mystery wrapped in a riddle or whatever. Like, what's going on there? Because you look at it on the on the surface. You've got Fofana who came from the same team who was seen as the sort of inferior player who's come straight in and is playing really well in the Premier League. But Saliba, it's not only got these sort of personal issues, which would be a completely understandable reason not to play, but he is playing in the 23s. But, so it, it seems the reason he's not ready is, is largely because of his ability. And so like, I just... How like and it wasn't just Arsenal he was you know hype, hyped about and it wasn't just an agent thing it was you know kind of respected football journalists in France were saying this guy's next for Ran he's mm-hmm. he's serious so like I don't know what's gone on there I don't, it's it's a mystery I think he he could have argued arguably he could have got minutes in if he's that good he has that much potential playing against Dundalk at home you could probably think he could probably manage it but to not even get be considered for those kind of games is a bit strange and a bit worrying. Um, yeah. And uh, look, I, I, I think
1: that, I think that there are a few things at play here from what I've been told. And yeah. the, I, I would say that if you've got somebody looking after loans at Arsenal, they should have organised the loan a lot earlier. Right. Yeah. You, you know, Saliba was training with Arsenal well before preseason started. So it's not like he was an unknown quantity and you've been watching him in the league for an entire season. So, this, you know, if you knew that he wasn't ready, we should have found a deal for him. So, what yeah. we don't know is did San Etienne get cold feet at the last minute? Did the player mm. say there's no fucking way I'm going to go and play for Brentford this season? Like, who knows? But, I, 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 mm. you know, you've got a 19 a year old defender. He's played 17 games for uh, San Etienne last year. He had a whole host of injury problems that affected that transitional year. And so I don't, I don't think the club think he's like physically robust enough at the moment. And I, you know, let's just go back. Jack Wilshere first season for Arsenal, 18 years old, 56 appearances, his body never recovered. So Mm. I know that Saliba is a big guy, but that doesn't mean that he's like physiologically yeah all there and i'm no expert but um you know when they talk mm-hmm. about him not being physically ready i think that that's what they mean um, yeah. losing your losing your parents is shocking and that must be difficult for anybody um, yeah. to deal with and also he doesn't speak english um i don't know what fofana's <laughs> levels are like and then you know this great statistic that at giant guna uh, shared with me uh, players that are under 20 that are centre-backs that have played more than 300 minutes of Premier League football in the last four seasons? Three, <laughs> right? So it's it's not normal for 19-year-old defenders to, yeah. to play lots of minutes. In France, it's something like nine players that are under 20 uh, that centre-back play games, but it's a slower league. And the reason that league, league on oh, gets so many... Um, great young talents coming through is because it's not as competitive. Um, yeah. It's a high level of technical ability, but it's not as physical. So yeah. I, I think that Arsenal are just trying to protect Saliba. Sounds like he's going to go out on loan in January. We rejected a bid from AC Milan for him. So it's definitely not an ability thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure he'll come good. But you know, even in the under 23s, the other night, you know, he still nearly gave away a a penalty with a rash challenge, and he did look. But he did look exciting. So he's he's in all the Arsenal's uh, marketing (laughs) stuff. But it's it's again, it's like this is the problem. It's like it's a 19 year old centre back, and we're pretty good at defending. Like that, Saliba is not the problem at Arsenal. Yeah.
0: Do you think he will? So, do you think he could come into the squad, the first team squad, next season? You don't think it's like halfway through this season; you think it'll be next season? Yeah. Look, if he
1: goes, um, if he goes to Brentford or he goes to uh, you know West Brom or somebody Mm. and plays really well, then he'll be in the first team squad next season. But my my guess, my, my my gut says that other Premier League managers will probably look at a 19-year-old defender and say, the chances of you being able to deal with the physicality of this league when I'm struggling to get wins is very is very limited. Yeah. So I, w- I would say that he might go to a championship club. And if he goes back out to the French League, does that put him in a good position to fight for a place next year? I'm I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but you know, yeah. uh, uh, Virgil van Dijk eighteen years old, was being written off. Uh, mm. you know, he played for a, a Groningen. He didn't get a move to Celtic until he was twenty two. Then yeah, at twenty, true. then at 24, he moves to Southampton and then he moves to Liverpool at 27 years old. And then he, now he's like the best defender in the world. Like it's not normal for teenage center backs to, right. to be a thing. It's just Arsenal fans like his YouTube videos. And yeah. that's, that's the world that we live in at the moment. And I just, but I just think it's, it's the wrong analysis to be like Saliba is a problem, but, um,
0: I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's a problem. I just it's just a bizarre, it's kind of bizarre. And he wasn't handled the, well, right? It wasn't no, handled well. I think well. The, it's probably because you know, especially the Leicester game, it's like you see Mustafi sort of all over the place. You like anything's got to be better than than this. Um, and I know Mustafi had a bit of a redemption, but
1: no, yeah, but, but and I probably combine Mustafi getting offered a new contract, which I don't that, know whether that was confirmed. I fucking yeah. hope not. He needs to be exited from the club this yeah. summer. Um, but yeah. yeah all right well uh, that was uh, that was that was a fun podcast yeah um, thanks for your time um, you know I feel like we were always talking about the five star reviews
0: uh, yeah thank- I, said, well, I said last time I was on I, I had a go at people and said they need to go and give one and then I went and looked yeah. and some people had which is really nice But um,
1: very kind of you that wrote the nice reviews yeah
0: um, so it's really, really it that. means a lot Actually, at the moment, especially you know lockdown and all that stuff, we need we need that sort yeah. of our ego's fed a bit. So I I can't go to a bar,
1: so I go to the you know the five star bar on you iTunes and drinking the reviews and, the reviews and yeah. they're uh, they're great. So thank you for anybody that uh, that did that. Um, we'll get back to a bit of a normal pacing. Hopefully mm-hmm. Arsenal will beat Leeds. And um, instead of doing predictions on a game by game basis, uh, Leeds Wolves. And Spurs, how many points do you think we're taking from those games? Uh,
0: three. I'm three. Not, I'm not feeling confident. You're not. I'm going to
1: go with six.
0: Okay.
1: I, you know, the, 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 you this is really interesting thing. You remember when Arsene Wenger used to be in a hole and you're like, you've fucked it this time. There's no way yeah. you're getting out of this. But he'd yeah. always pull something out of the bag. I really hope Mikel Arteta has... Uh, a little bit of that. You know, Wenger in the 1997-98 season, he lost four games in six. There was the yeah. infamous, you know, uh, training ground, like, come together where Patrick Rivera was told he needed to do more for the defense and yeah. Dennis Bergkamp was blah, blah, blah. And, and, it, and, and it, it came good. And in the season after, I think we had a similar goal-scoring record over our first 10 games that we have now. So we've been in situations like this and come out the back end well. And I think that although it's been shit, if we get back to the form that we had maybe January for the first three months before lockdown, um, all Arsenal need to do this season is accumulate um, points and be within touching distance of top four. And if we're within touching uh, distance of top four by February, it's party time, right? Yeah and like young players will be better our senior players will be more bedded into the squad and maybe he will have solved some of those structural issues but potentially with a signing so i'm super positive um i've enjoyed having this therapy session with you alex thank you um i hope to get you back on soon and uh, for everybody else um, thank you for listening ciao for now
0: To order today, visit one eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in. That's one eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in. Sports social podcast network.